look at prayer. We want to look at uh, fasting. Maybe the majority of the message will be focused on fasting, prayer and fasting. So if you open your Bibles to Matthew 6, we'll look at verse 5. And the first few words in that verse got my attention. Jesus said, and when thou prayest. And then in verse 16, again, when he's addressing fasting, he says, moreover, when ye fast. So it's not, it's not if you pray or if you fast, it's when you pray and when you fast. It's like we're expected. Jesus was speaking to those who were praying and fasting. Fasting, and I'm going to make a number of statements. I I realized that after I had pretty well put the message together. And what I would, what I hope to do is at the end, pull all these statements together for us so we can take them home. But there will be a number of these kind of statements. Fasting is one of the disciplines that can be incorporated into our spiritual lives and will make our lives richer and take our prayer life to another level. So I, I know I'm speaking to people that are praying people. It wouldn't be appropriate to ask how many of you are fasting with your prayers. At least I don't think it would be appropriate. But let this be a challenge to us that incorporating fasting with your prayers just takes your prayers to another level. Now, fasting is certainly not a gauge of spirituality. How can I say that? Well, in Isaiah 58, there were people that were fasting wrongly. So you can fast without it being a spiritual exercise. In Isaiah 58, they had the wrong motive for fasting. However, let me quickly say that the lack of fasting could be a gauge of our lukewarmness. Now, I was surprised by this. But I was surprised how, how many Bible characters fasted in the Old Testament. And I'll read down over them. Moses, Samson, Samuel, Hannah, David, Elijah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and Daniel. All are said to have fasted. So you can see that this would be more than one message if we would just go through the Old Testament and look at all of them. In the New Testament, Anna, John the Baptist, Jesus, and the Apostle Paul fasted. We all have record of them fasting. 
So the message today uh, will mainly be focused on the blessing of prayer when we incorporate fasting. So some of the scriptures that we'll turn to, that's exactly what we want to pick up. The blessing of prayer and fasting when you add fasting to your prayer time. There was a young boy one time, so the story goes, that was standing on the banks of the Mississippi River, and there was a big steamship coming down the river. And this boy started waving his flag to stop the steamship. People were watching. They said, it's no, it's no use. The steamship... That big steamship won't stop to pick you up. To their amazement, the steamship did. It pulled over to the side, stopped, put the ramp down, and the boy jumped onto the ramp and scampered up to the boat. On his way up, he looked back to the people and said, You see, the captain is my father. You know, that's what prayer is all about. It's our Father. And we have the Lord's Prayer here in this portion that Marcus read. Our Father. So, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on prayer. Uh, We could have many messages on prayer. There's books written on prayer. But I thought this was... Interesting that between Jesus' teaching on prayer and fasting, we find the Lord's Prayer. After this manner, pray, Our Father. It's in Galatians 4, 6 and 7. And maybe I'll turn there. Galatians 4. Six and seven. Where we have the scripture that says, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I don't know how that strikes you this morning, but if you want something that's really meaningful sometime in your devotions, just meditate on those two verses. We have the invitation to come to the God, to the God of creation, our creator, our God, to come to him and call him our father because he adopted us as his sons. And then, if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. A lot to look forward to. So, let's just look at the Lord's Prayer 
and I only have just a few sentences about it because I want to get on with fasting. So the Lord's, in the Lord's Prayer, at the beginning we find this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So if we go through the prayer, we find reverence in this prayer, just like the first phrase, when we come to God, our Father. We find reverence. We find adoration. We find submission. And we find petition. Ending with praise and glory to our great God. It's a tremendous prayer. It's it's what we should memorize and teach our children to memorize and pray every day. And I believe we it would do well to ask them if they prayed today. It uh, might become repetitious, but a wonderful prayer. And Jesus taught us how to pray. Concerning prayer, Revelation 3.20 has a beautiful pr- picture of what prayer is. I believe Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice, And open the door. And that's prayer. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I believe prayer, real, true, good, alive prayer, is when we're communicating with God and then we open our heart. He's knocking and then we open it up. Prayer is the breath of the soul, the organ in which we receive Christ into our parched and withered hearts. We need it every day. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves. We need the grace of God every day. And how do we get it? We just need to open our hearts. He's knocking, He's waiting. Does God hear us when we pray? What promise do we have in the Bible? And I'd like to just look at one, but it's so significant to does God answer when we pray? And that's 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... And what are the next words? I will hear from heaven. It's a promise. And I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. So I just thought when I ran across that verse, I thought, well, there's the promise. And there's the, even the, the instruction how to get through to God. How do we get through to God? This verse tells us that healing the land is dependent on forgiveness of sin. So that's confession. We come to God in confession. 
which is dependent on turning from their wicked ways, and that's repentance. So we come to God in confession and repentance and seeking God's face in prayer. And all of this begins with humbling yourself. So does God answer when we pray? Yes. If we come to him with confession, repentance, seeking his face, and humbling ourselves. Is it any surprise to you that at this point I'm going to say, well, that's what fasting does for us. You know, we can pray, but you add fasting to your praying. This is, this is what begins to happen. You come to God with confession and repentance, seeking his face, humbling yourself. Now, praying in time of trouble, we know about that, don't we? We do a lot of that. We pray when we're in trouble, and that's a good idea. But if you really wish to be heard of God, by God, the Bible says that we should come with humility and confession and repentance. Recently, I read somewhere where an, uh, an unbeliever was, I think it was a newsman, an unbeliever was somewhere where there was a hurricane, 140 mile an hour winds, and he was in a, like a concrete place for safety. And his message out was, tell everyone, um, atheists, Christians, whatever, he had a, a whole line, tell everyone to pray. Well, we know from Scripture that God does hear the cry of men, but he hears the prayer of the humble and the confess, one that confesses and repents. So back to verses 5 through 8, where Jesus teaches on prayer. Verse 5, we see here that we shouldn't pray or fast to impress people. That's a wrong motive. Verse 6, we have the prayer that's rewarded. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. That closet, and much could be said about that closet, that quiet time, that quiet heart, and yes, oh, how when we come out of that closet, our faces Our faces have joy and not that sad countenance that Jesus talks about later where the Pharisees of a sad countenance disfigured their faces. 
No, but for us, prayer and fasting. In the closet brings joy and peace like nothing else. And then Jesus talks in verse 7 and 8 about the repetitious prayer. And I don't have a lot of comments on that. Um, I don't think it's... um, I don't think it's wrong to have our prayers written and to memorize the Lord's Prayer and pray it again and again. But somehow it seemed like the Pharisees were using meaningless words. Yeah, so the challenge for us, I believe, is to pray from the heart. So now let's uh, go to Jesus. What does Jesus say about fasting? Uh, Verses 16, like I alluded to a bit ago, uh, Jesus refers to this as maybe a sad fast. And he doesn't endorse the sad countenance, the sad fast, as much as he does... um, Verse 17, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. And I think that speaks of a joy. That thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And I love to think that the reward of of adding fasting to your prayer life Add fasting to your quiet time. Add fasting to that closet time. That the reward is you come out with joy and peace like nothing else can give. According to Luke 18, the the Pharisees fasted two times a week, and they usually chose to fast on the market days so people could see them. And they put powder on their faces to look sickly so they could show others how religious and pious they were. Now, I know... um, I'm not sure how to say what I want to say, I guess. We, we don't want to get into the habit of saying, I'm fasting. Tell people that we're fasting. And yet, I wonder if we shouldn't be more accountable to each other. Have a brother, have a sister, have a small group, and talk about fasting and be accountable are you fasting? Yes. Or no, I, I just am not getting it accomplished. So yeah, we don't want to blow our horn and show people that we're fasting. I don't want to ask you now how many of you fast, but I think we should be more accountable to each other. I think we could be 
to our advantage. So what is fasting? Well, I found this interesting. You can Google fasting and see what what it says. You can look it up in the dictionary. Webster says it's abstaining from all or certain food or drink. Strong says to abstain from eating. Okay. So there can be a total fast or a partial fast, the way it sounds. There can be a fast in which only water or fluids are taken. But I think you'll agree, just going on a weight loss diet is not fasting. Okay? And sometimes we see the fasting as an advantage for us because we do lose weight. But that's not the fast that Jesus is talking about. Fasting is willful abstaining, abstaining from food. Fasting is clearly not eating food. Now, sometimes I've done it. We have other kinds of fasts. You know, we fast from our cell phone or we fast from the news or we fast. And I'm not saying that's missing the mark of what it's intended to do. But the fasting, the biblical fasting we're talking about is not eating food. So one may ask, well, what do we get out of fasting? But I think that's the wrong question to ask. I know it's the wrong question. That's a self-centered question. Rather, we should ask, I wonder what God wants to reveal to me in my fast. In my fasting and prayer, what does God want to reveal to me? Now, here are some of these statements. Fasting changes us when we're willing to renounce the natural to call for the spiritual. Okay, so now we're making a difference between the natural wanting food and the spiritual part of us saying we want to deny the flesh. We want to deny the appetite. Fasting takes your body and submits it to the spirit. It increases our spiritual capacity. And that's not hard for me to understand or any of you that have experienced fasting. Fasting takes your body and submits it to the spirit and it increases our spiritual capacity. Fasting takes your flesh back where it belongs under your spirit. More spirit controlled. Okay? But somehow we're in the body. We're in the flesh. And we know that we can't fast more than 40 days. Okay? And we'll look at a few people that did fast 40 days. So we know that we have to eat and maintain our health. But in general, I don't even know if general is the right word, when we put under the appetites of the flesh and put the spirit above that, more spirit-controlled, saying no to the flesh, that our spiritual life is, is stronger. 
Fasting takes your normal prayer life to another level and provides power that is not normal. Fasting becomes the kingdom key to a more powerful prayer life. Your mind will be more clear. But why aren't we fasting more often then? Why is it so hard? This kind of prayer life and this kind of power, we have to pay the price to get it. And the price to get it is to say no to our desire to eat food. Is that easy? Why is that so hard for me? Eating is pleasurable, but it's also necessary, and so we struggle with with that. Fasting is denying earth for a taste of heaven. So if you forget everything else, maybe you can remember that and be encouraged and challenged to fast with your praying. Fasting is denying earth for a taste of heaven. Now, we'd like to quickly look at people that fasted. Uh, Deuteronomy 9.9, we see that Moses fasted 40 days, and then God gave him the Ten Commandments. So I want you to, to just hang on to that. In 1 Kings 19.8, the time of Elijah and a national crisis was at hand, and Elijah and Elijah was on the back side of the desert, and he didn't eat for 40 days. And, you know, if I had more time, we, we would turn to that, that scripture. But right after the 40 days, behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And I thought that was interesting. And then in Matthew 4, we have Jesus fasting for 40 days. And then, right after the 40 days, he began his public ministry. So are we seeing a correlation here? Moses fasted 40 days, and then God gave the commandments. Elijah fasted 40 days, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Jesus fasted 40 days, and then began his public ministry. What would happen no, my thoughts just, what would happen if we would fast for one day and then we would find something? God would be able to tell us something or fast for three days or a week and then God would be able to reveal something to us. And I thought it was very interesting that these three Moses, Elijah, and Jesus were together on the Mount of Transfiguration where they spoke of things concerning the kingdom of Christ. Ezra 8.21 There's a beautiful nugget here and I'm just going to read what I have here. When Ezra was getting ready to lead some of the exiles away from Babylon, he knew their journey would be treacherous, 
and that they would go through enemy territory to get back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says that Ezra gathered the people together at the river, Ahava, that's Ezra 8.21, to afflict ourselves. And afflicting is the same thought or idea as fasting. And the reason Ezra was seeking and asking for God's protection through prayer and fasting was he said, I was ashamed. In other words, he wanted to show the king of Babylon that it was only because of God's protection that they were going to be set free. And he didn't need an army to lead them through enemy territory. So we fasted and besought God. And you'll find that in Deuteronomy 8.23. And my mind went to what? The hostages in Haiti and that whole thing. And how many people were praying and fasting. It was like the hostages and, and Barry Grant and Christian Aid was saying, we, we don't want them delivered by a great army. We want God to deliver and that's what Ezra did. Nehemiah 1.3, and I just read that. We saw how through prayer and fasting, God revealed a plan and opened doors and provided protection for them as they journeyed back to Jerusalem. Tremendous. And we know how it all started. It started with a prophet that wept. and mourned and prayed and fasted. Esther and her people fasted in a time of national crisis. One of our favorite stories in the Old Testament is this story. Esther had the task of coming before the king when she was not invited, and so she said to her uncle Mordecai, go Gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. That's Esther 4.16. Esther was asking for God's protection and requested her friends to fast and pray on her behalf. Beautiful story. Psalm 69.10 speaks, and I would love to turn to all these because it's so rich to see the setting and how these people were given to prayer and fasting. Psalm 69.10, here David, in a cry of distress, fasted for personal sanctification Fasted for personal sanctification. That's something we can take home, I believe. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Fasting helps us come to God in humility. 
and I read somewhere this might even cause a smile or two. When your stomach rumbles, it's just a reminder that you're seeking. You're seeking the face of God. Ezekiel 16.49 talks about the pride and fullness of bread. And too often, fullness of bread and pride go hand in hand. Ezekiel 16.49 talks about that. I remember hearing a preacher maybe 30 years ago, and this stuck with me. He said, there's too much feasting and not enough of fasting. There's too much playing and not enough of praying. And there's too much laughing and not enough of weeping. And here's one of these statements. Fasting is a divine corrective for the pride in the human heart. Fasting is a divine corrective for the pride in the human heart. Daniel 3, 3 and 4. After praying and fasting, the angel Gabriel came to him and said, I am now come to give thee skill and understanding. You'll find that in Daniel 9, verses 3 and 4. Again, after fasting, then the angel came and said, I will give thee skill and understanding. And then he had the vision of the 70 weeks. Joel 2, 12 through 17, we have a call to repentance and fasting. Luke 2, 36 through 38. Now, this is shifting a little bit. Fasting is not only for times of crisis. In Luke 2, Anna prayed and fasted and enjoyed the presence of God. Fasting draws us into a closer relationship with our Redeemer. And that was certainly Anna's situation. Acts 13, 1-4. Fasting in the New Testament is never done by itself. It's always accompanied by prayer. And you can check it out. Prayer and fasting. The church at Antioch fasted when Paul and Barnabas were sent out preaching and establishing churches. When they wanted to ordain elders in the church, the Bible says that in every church they fasted and with much praying and commended them to the Lord in whom they believed. That's in Acts 14.23. Fasting and praying go hand in hand. Now here are a few of these statements. Fasting empowers us for Christian service, just like it did Paul and Barnabas. Fasting opens our ears to God's calling for us. Fasting sharpens our spiritual senses and alertness and helps us discern God's will for us. Some years ago, Floyd Stolzfus was the, 
what do you call it at CBS? Principal. He was the principal at CBS. And he's, he reported that there was a teacher and his wife that fasted for 21 days, three weeks. Now, they should do that in secret, but I believe they were. But I believe it was discovered. And I don't know how it would have been discovered. But to share that is an encouragement for us. At CBS one time, and this again came from Floyd, ten youth decided together to fast and pray. And they were accountable to each other. I believe God is not only pleased when we fast and pray, I think he expects us to fast with our praying. So let's conclude with what are the benefits? Not that we always have to know what the benefits are, but there are some benefits. And I think to encapsulate this, I'll just read those statements that were made throughout the message. These are the benefits. Fasting is a divine corrective for the pride in our human hearts. Fasting empowers us for Christian service. Fasting opens our ears to God's calling for us. Fasting helps us discern God's will for us. Fasting draws us into a closer relationship with our Redeemer. Fasting sharpens our spiritual senses and alertness. Fasting takes your normal prayer life to another level and provides power that is not normal. Fasting becomes the kingdom key to a more powerful prayer life. And the last, fasting is denying earth for a taste of heaven. I believe that prayer and fasting are the highest activity of the human soul. Through prayer and fasting, God often makes his wills, his will known to us. And then we can thank God for direction and for his grace and desire to then pray according to the will, his will and follow it. The whole thing of seeking God in prayer and fasting is security for us. I'm going to invite you to kneel in prayer with me.